So that joy and cheer and that community that I have from running is something that I want to share with everybody. And just, you know, there is no other community like running, whether you're black, white, purple, green, whatever, you know what I'm saying? The running community is so beautiful. And it's like, you have that space to be able to just like talk and put that on the table. I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black two. Before we get into the podcast with my homeboy, Brandon Johnson, let me tell y'all about Tracksmith. Tracksmith is a brand for runners who are committed, like you and like me. People who know the best part of the day is just getting that workout in whenever you can. Tracksmith is committed to running culture, just like two black runners. So we truly do appreciate them supporting us through this month where we can bring to life these beautiful, black and women tastemakers. So go to tracksmith.com and get yourself hooked up with some of their new winter gear. Trust me, you see this, you see this? I got this when I was in New York and boy, I was warm, it's fire. So go use that code runningreport22 for $15 off your first order of $75 or more. Back to the podcast. BJ, what's good? Let's go, third week of Black History Month. So we bring in on all the beautiful black faces. And today we got my boy on the on the pod, hyped about this one, but Joshua, give him that much needed intro that the people need to hear. Man, y'all really going to enjoy this one. We have this man right here. He's a 2020 Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon. Like the dude got a PR of 218.14. But let's bring it back to Metropolitan State University. This man was a three-time D2 All-American indoor, outdoor, 5K school record holder, a Juco product. So you know he going down and he a beast for that. Let's be real with it. A product line manager at Hoka right now. He has one of the most famous steeplechase falls as well. You've probably seen it in Sports Illustrated. This guy as well is self-proclaimed world's greatest beatboxer. We're going to talk about that on the pod, but let's get into it. Brandon Johnson joining us on the Two Black Runners podcast, the Black Taste makers in the right industry series brandon how's it going bro this about to be hype this about to be hype yes sir thank you guys for having me appreciate it much love love what you guys are doing you know uh got that energy and i'm here for it let's go yeah brandon and like when i came on when i came on to hoka i had already heard of heard of your name like through the grapevine from from other people as a runner and someone that just worked with Hoka and just as a as a personality, people just seem to gravitate gravitate to you as well. Did you ever like see yourself as like a tastemaker really like in this game? Because I feel like you're not the typical person that someone would think is working at Hoka. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm new to that terminology, so you know I appreciate it, and uh, I I just I'm just grateful to for the experience and the journey, honestly. So just to be part of something so big and uh to share that with y'all and people that look like us and the younger generation it's just been a huge blessing so appreciate it 
Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. It's going to be a pleasure to get to talk to you. But let's go to this, bro. Olympic trials, running the marathon. Because I got the first, I got to first meet you at uh, Kansas City when me and Aaron did the announcing out there. You ran the 10K. I believe that Aaron was telling me that you work at Hoka. I was like, wait, what? Like, this dude, wait, this man's fast. And he went to Olympic trials and everything during the marathon while working at Hoka. What was that kind of like? And that was also when you were starting a new position at Hoka. Like, what was it like running at the Olympic trials as well? Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to correct you, but I have to. It was the 5K because no one, no one was trying oh, to run yeah, the 10K yeah. out there. Come on now. That's too many laps for me. But uh, yeah, that's where we got to meet. And uh, I didn't want to I don't want to cramp your guys' style or game. You know, you're killing it over there at the finish line. I just wanted to say what's up and show some love. So uh, it was a it was a bad day for me personally, but it was a good experience. Kansas was dope. I can't I mean, like I slept on Kansas for many years and I was like, wow, Kansas is lit. Except for that day. It was probably like my slowest 5K I ever ran, uh, ever. I think it was like 1427, which I think you guys were recording me getting lapped a couple times too. So uh, uh, it, was, it was just a good time, I guess. So, um, but yeah, I was just starting into a new role at Hoka. You know, I've been with the brand for going on like four or five years now, excuse me. Time's just going so quickly. Um, and I, that was from the, like what you would know as the tech rep, or the field field marketing rep as we were called and then moving into the more product side of things which is product development and product line management so uh it was it's just been a it's just like a, i mean i don't want to keep harping on how much of a blessing it's been but it's been a fun ride it's been crazy and uh just to kind of be in the industry and still be able to compete at somewhat of a competitive level it's been uh it's been pretty fun you know yeah and, and what do you, what goes into like kind of like managing managing all of all of that we'll get deeper into like what's your passion behind like the industry but how do you manage having that full-time job and then running to the level to get you to the olympic trials still still that seems like a lot and yeah. you're and you're 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 getting promoted at your job and you're, you're still excelling yeah i think uh that was probably one of the first stories i talked to you about aaron when we first met and uh you got on and Actually, we did meet at the trials when uh, with our boy Raj, Raj Paul. Shout out to Raji P. You know, that's the yes, boy. Um, and I kind of the most you. beautiful man alive, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call him. Yes, you, you're correct, though. The most beautiful man alive. Uh, also fast as well. Good homie. That's how we actually linked up. So shout out to him. Uh, and I was kind of telling you how much of a ride and experience it was for me to be a tech rep, field marketing rep. And the dopest territory, I live out in Denver, Colorado, you know, uh, I got the Nuggets hat representing, but, you know, I'm from relatively near where you guys grew up. So being out here, part of a brand that was just blowing up in the Rockies, started, got, got some of its start out here in the Rockies, and then just kind of riding that wave, you know, like it was, it was huge. So it wasn't, it didn't seem like work, but it was a lot, you know, I was taking care of Utah, Colorado, Wyoming. New Mexico and 150 different stores with a brand that was just absolutely blowing up and uh, still trying to run like 100, 110 miles a week. And uh, I got to I got to see the most beautiful places in the world. Like my background screen is of uh, my Hokemobile Dorothy. You know, she took me like 50,000 miles in the first year on the job, just around that whole rocky region. And it was just like the most beautiful experience ever going to like every single national park and everywhere dope you can imagine just like in the Midwest and 
the rocky rocky region so um it was it was a tough balance but you know that's why i'm chilling now that's why i'm just you know i'm retired now (laughs) (laughs) man yeah that's really that's crazy that's crazy and do that and like be able to like you said at a somewhat uh competitive level but like the olympic trials in atlanta for the marathon like i wouldn't say that's somewhat competitive like what was kind of just that experience being able to like be at the olympic trials because that's one of the for any type of the dream for all a lot of runners be at the olympics but to be at the olympic trials to be at a u.s championship that's like that's just that's just like being there at some point yeah i mean uh to sum it up, you know, it is like the Super Bowl of our, not the, I guess the Olympics would be the Super Bowl, but for the average American Joe that knows they're not making an Olympic team, I guess that would be considered the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I the marathon continues, you know, I was just like, man, let me get up in this game right here after trying to be fast, trying to run sub 14s, low fours in the mile, and just knowing that's not getting you anywhere in the game you're still considered sub elite at that level you know no contracts you're in colorado it's super competitive it's what i claim the running mecca of the world of our country uh just seeing the who's who's out here and so you're just like man you, you get discouraged and at that time before this whole super shoe thing you know like it was it the, the marathon was slept on no one was really trying to rock it like that and as we've seen in the last couple of years, it's progressed and gotten faster and faster. It, back then in 2016, for it, like it kind of all happened perfectly because it was after the the last Olympic cycle, which I just missed in the half marathon by 11 seconds, uh, 105.11 coming through. And it was just like the most heartbreaking thing you can ever experience. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, all right, well, you know, maybe, maybe I should start rapping. I was like, nah, I'll hold out on the rapping dream a little bit longer. And then, uh, you know, come around again and I joined a really dope crew in Boulder and meet some really great people and just, you know, was able to go another cycle. And then I just started working with Hoka in 2017 and they just opened the window at CIM and it happened to fall on my 30th birthday. So I was like, oh snap, I just started working with Hoka. I just started training with this really dope squad in Boulder and it's on my 30th birthday, let's go. And I so I debuted my marathon there in some uh, Hoka Claytons, some Kona Claytons, which there was no super shoe out at this time. There's probably a couple of them, you know, like there's, and then uh, I ran 218, which was my first marathon. And That's I, only got to, I only got to run another marathon after that, the Olympic Charles, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy to get on your first time. One thing, too, I want to go back to, I feel like uh, the most underappreciated role sometimes is the field experience. Oh, we call them the field experience reps, you know, on our team at Hoka. Shout out to my FBRs. Are you watching this? All the coworkers. Because y'all be grinding. Like, y'all didn't hear this man, all these Midwestern multiple states that he had ownership over. Can you kind of describe to people listening that don't know exactly what a tech rep is or does, like what that (laughs) role is? Yeah, so at, at, at Hoka, we try to differentiate that from what other brands are traditionally known as tech reps. So the field experience rep was something that we brought a 360 degree of the brand to. So I always told people we're like the face of the brand in our respective territories. And for me, you know, like I didn't have a lot of big races, but I had the Speedgoat 50K. Um, 
we had the uh, Bighorn 100 mile, which I would go out personally and, you know, set up the whole shebang and even sometimes run the race and then tear it down, the snow fencing, the collapsible arch. And so you're there on the brand level, just doing everything that needs to be done on the marketing side, as well as in the retail side of things, uh, that consumer facing interaction where, you know, you're really talking to staff and consumers about what's coming out the technology behind it and how it differentiates or it's very different from what other brands are doing which uh was kind of cool you know you're schooling everybody you're bringing the good word of hoka to everybody <laughs> the gospel y'all the preachers all the, yes, preachers the disciples and y'all really i feel like you really do like uh make a lot of connections and just meet and meet with a lot of like different types of people and i, I kind of feel like i wanted to get in this to this too like you being being in Denver, like where you're saying, or Denver, Colorado, like the running, one of the running, running meccas in the United States. I feel like you build like so many connections um, through just running and, and through your job at the same time. That's I think super cool. Yeah, it could be a lot, you know, it's like you're a one man band, depending on where you're at. And just being here in the Rockies, uh, you know, it was a little bit easier because so many people did jive with the brand. So it wasn't too hard. I was almost like, a celebrity, if you will, just because it's like the Hoka guys coming, you know, rolling up in the Hoka mobile, rolling up in Dorothy, and then it was fun. So it wasn't too bad where I was at. Wait, can we go back to that though? Uh, being calling this the running Mecca because what two podcasts ago, Roy Linkletter was on here and he said Flagstaff's the running Mecca of the U.S. So I'm all like, what what is it? Is it is it is it, is it Eugene? Is it is it is it Denver? Like what's what's the running Mecca and, and why is it? And if you look at it holistically or on a bigger level, like Colorado's blowing up right now, you know, everyone's trying to be out here in the Rockies and shout out to Flagstaff, shout, shout out to Rory, that's the boy, you know, um, I would say just on the sub elite level or anyone's trying to make it like Colorado's the new LA for the, for the up and coming rappers, you know what I'm saying? So there's more opportunity out here where in Flagstaff, you're very secluded and there's not a lot of opportunity if you're not a sponsored runner and you need a supplemental income and you need a job. Whereas in Denver, you know, it's right here, it's 30 minutes away from Boulder. So you have so many people that aren't just solely dedicated on running. They are actually working and running and providing for a family and doing so many different things where they can, maintain that lifestyle in a comfortable manner. And that's why Colorado, you know, it just has it all. You have the who's who's every day. You're like, just in Flagstaff as well. I mean, but it's so funny there that there's like, it's very. <laughs> yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And as we move a little bit more into the podcast and we know this is recorded during Black History Month. That's the whole point of this. And through uh, like our first episode with Camila, we had like a type of conversation like this. And I kind of want to get into this. I, I want to have this discussion because we kind of had it mixed up with this, with the question about the misconceptions and like the black running community. And I wasn't communicating it properly. And I was just thinking, and I was thinking even before this episode, I'm all like, bro, like what is the black running community? And like, does that even need to be defined? or anything like that. So with y'all two, I kind of want to have the conversation here. And I think this would be a great conversation kind of just to have between anyone. But like for you, Brandon, like simply like to start off, like like what is the black running community? Like when you hear that question, like what's the first thing that comes to mind when you say like, what is the black running community? That's yeah, a good one. I mean, it's so many different things that it's really hard to define. And 
uh, I think now, you know, looking back on what you and Camila was talking about, shout out to her. She's the homie. Um, you know, it's just, I, I'm, I'm a little bit old school, you know, I was in the game for a minute and, uh, there, there was even less talk about this. There was not anything on social media. There's barely any social media. And it was, and running has been a like slow archaic sport where it's barely coming into its light right now. And so, you know, for a while, I didn't even really, I didn't even think about me being one of the only black people in the sport when I was running back in high school and JUCO mm -hmm. and college. And then it wasn't even until like I ran in the Olympic trials and then I had uh, some people from Atlanta, the, ra the race, Tess at the race and the run duo reached out to me, shout out to them. Cause you know, they're like, hey, you know, you're one of very, a handful of American born black people participating in the Olympic trials. And I was like, oh snap, like I didn't really even think about that. And then I was able to do a talk and just see how they sought after me and you know, they saw what I was doing and how it empowered them. And that just took me back a whole nother level of just like, wow, I didn't realize people were watching like that. You know, like I didn't even, I wasn't even like considered that. And <clears throat> to kind of stray off your question, what the black running is to me in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm half black, Hispanic and native American. So I grew up with my whole black side of the family and and so when you have, you know, when you're having a, a group of people and there's turmoil in between those people, like, let's say the black community, you know, there's the, there's the, hey, you know, you, you're light skin, you're not one of us, or, you know, you indoor, you're outdoor, or like whatever, you know, like there's problem within the races that we have to fix first. And that was one of the things that running taught me was when I was competing, I was competing against someone from Sudan, Kenya, or Ethiopia. But when we're all out there on the line, we're holding it down together, you know, and that's when people like kind of gave me my my flowers, if you will, like, oh, snap, this dude is black, you know, because he's out here running with these these Africans and the compassion and the love those guys showed me, you know, what I'm saying like we we were so like small minded and very, I would say, narcissistic in the sport that when you get to know so many great people and some of the Eastern Africans and some of my homies back over there, you know, showed me what life was about, how their turmoils and struggles were every day. And they let me know like, oh shit, like my, my, my struggles ain't as bad as like what my homie from Sudan, you know, had his whole family murdered and he's still very happy smiling every day. And I'm like, man, like that just puts life in a whole other perspective for me, you know, like how, how I magnify my own problems. And so that joy and cheer in that community that I have from running is something that I want to share with everybody. And just, you know, there is no other community like running, whether you're black, white, purple, green, whatever, you know what I'm saying? The running community is so beautiful. And it's like, you have that space to be able to just like talk and put that on the table. And uh, that's outside of the, you know, governing bodies of the sport, but from my macro level or micro level of just, you know, hanging out with you and networking with y'all and, seeing people in the industry i'm just like man like we really put on for each other and we like even though it's competitive like the running community is a beautiful thing and that's what where we have the opportunity as the running community to show like other communities what our society you know very communal and very loving and open and sharing and i think that's what i do it for you know yeah i feel that too because i see it as like i like running community like running culture is something that i'm just like passionate about um as well and just like you know you know the bonds you create like 
from your high school cross country team to like your college team to people at you work with at running stores and like for me i see it as too it's like being able to share that like like almost like we were just talking about being preachers of that you know being able to share that with more people and then i have a soft spot too for like people that look like me that that do it like i'm like yo like do you know that you know like like mom you could go run this half marathon it's so fun like all these people are here you could join this like it's group. possible you start running all these yeah. with people yeah it's possible and then you're going to become a part of something that's like bigger bigger than yourself and then there's like the health and wellness aspect behind it as well but yeah i'm i'm really for just also just like spreading like the good news that that running can really like bring into people's lives oh yeah it's self-care it's med meditation you know it's a moment to get away from technology and the fast-paced movement of the world and it's been definitely like my religion and my like get away from anything that I have going on in life and makes me a lot more pleasant to be around after I do get in like an easy run or, you know, handle some business. Yeah, for, for sure. And and when I'm, when I'm thinking about like this, this question and stuff, it makes me think like, like, why do I feel like I needed to define this? But I feel like going back to like 2020, when the news came out that my Aubrey's been murdered and like, just like how that whole entire situation went down and people i feel like that was like an uproar and really like people in the black running community were then like really i feel like that's when like a fish that's when i i thought like that was the first time like i started using that word like black running community in a sense especially because like with camilla's like like writing and then like mario hall's like stuff pieces at those times what people were like bringing out i'm all like dang like there's actually like people out here like running and that kind of leads to my other question i went to but i don't think that was the first time i realized that like yeah like i'm a black runner because like that's when we uh we before before my aubrey we made the two black runners podcast so we're already doing that and i feel like just having that realization especially as a black a black distance runner is definitely like something different and you then you start to find like your own community and that and how you stand but like when was do you feel like you start to figure out that like, yeah, like I, you kind of touched on it, but a little bit of like figuring out like, dang, like I'm, I'm I, like, I'm a black runner. And like, there's, there's significance in that in a way. Yeah. Um, well, I already, I, I mean, obviously I knew that I was, <laughs> but when yeah. other people were like coming to me, like, Hey, you know, I see you, I see you. And that's kind of what it was. You know, I saw Raj when we both, running the marathon he's like I see you You're like I never met him in my life but he's like I see you and I was like I bet you know and so you just start seeing dudes out there uh like my boy Nathan Martin uh shout out to him uh you're like dang I see you out here doing it bro okay you just on the line and then you just dab each other up and you're like all right Joe great damn I see you out here bro okay that's what's up you know like and you just start like that's like when you kind of put on and then um I mean even social media has been a, a amazing tool. Just people reaching out and just being like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, I've lost this amount of weight and you know, you, you, you bring joy and stuff that I do. And I was like, real dang, I had no idea I can leave an impact or an impression. So that may force me to kind of tighten up and look at myself differently and just like know that people are watching and that, you know, I can make a huge impact in a positive way or a negative way. So I, I chose like, you know, how I want to present and what I want to do and what, how the impacts I want to make in the community. So um, it was definitely a lot of people 
just like, hey, I see you. <laughs> yeah. Do you like, do you feel that same like type of, I guess the word, I don't know if responsibility is the word, but do you feel like that same type of pride and responsibility like within like the industry? Um, just just working too from working from a running store, just being in the running industry generally? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been being in product development and product management is like my dream job. And, you know, once you get to something at a level, at, whether it's at the Olympic trials or at your desired destination, you kind of like, all right, what's next? Like, what moves do I make now in life? How do I level up next, you know? And uh, my journey has been very unorthodox because, you know, I wasn't, I, I, I did went to school for marketing even before college and it took me a while to learn and took me later in life to learn and I kind of knew what I wanted to do just from working in the running store and being in the store for so long here in Colorado and working my way up the ranks of that and I was like that's what I want to do I want to I want to be a part of that you know what I'm saying and it's just something that when you knew you knew and when I saw Ahoka for the first time I was like yo this is about to be dope right here 2014 I'm like yo this is about to blow up you're like mm, you tripping <laughs> and I was like I don't know bro I don't know let's just see and now you see the pendulum is kind of swung towards that heavy stack mass maximal cushioning type of shoe where everyone in the industry is doing it and it's nothing new and everyone's like Shh, no brainer you know Hoka definitely blew up brand of the year brand of the year come on now they don't, don't mess with Hoka for sure. <laughs> but as I got this, I should cover this Nike symbol up. But let me see. <laughs> one more. And then <laughs> one more. I want, because we, we were asking this question too for everybody that we have on this. Like, what are some of the misconceptions inside or outside of the Black Runner community that needs to be like changed that you would like kind of like seeing that people? for ins either inside the running community or outside of it, the black running community the misconceptions for people in and outside of the running community black work sorry just trying to yeah like where are some misconceptions that people may have inside the re black running community or outside the black running community like misconceptions that they'll like see us as or something like how does that need to change um if there's any, if you see, if you, if you notice any, if you notice. Any. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. I would say the biggest misconception for anybody is that running sucks, <laughs> you know, and uh, just trying to get people on that wave of health and like movement and pushing their limits, pushing their bodies to the next limits. And I mean, I have a lot of friends and family that are like, just kind of lazy, you know, and it's kind of sad to see. But also, you know, that's where you use the tool to kind of show them like, hey, this is not as bad as we make it out to, you know, like this can actually be a fun communal thing. You know, this could be something where, you know, we link up on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. And <clears throat> that's one thing like the running community has kind of showed me is just that, you know, like a, a weekly fun run, how communal it is, how much of a family and community you build just from linking up with people on a running basis. So people that don't have an outlet or people that don't have a passion or a creative outlet, you know, linking up with some people on a run is actually one of the most like therapeutic and communal things you can you can be a part of. Most definitely. Those pub those pub runs hit different, bro. Yeah. And working in the running store too, you you really like at least for me, that's where I really saw like, dang, like people really like this outside of just like competing. Like people 
it's really at the end of the day, like it's just fun to come out and hang out with people and go on a run. It doesn't have to be at five minute pace. It could be at nine minute pace. You know what I mean? That's, 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 I've seen that a lot, like working in the store and trying to compete. You have the two extremes or the opposite ends of like those 10 minute, 12 minute yoggers and then like competing over on the opposite end. And there's like, there's like a huge separation between those two, but um, there's still like a huge community that brings it kind of together with those like pub runs and those weekly fun runs and everything like that. So it's beautiful. Yeah. Tap into your local run stores for sure. And then uh, we always like to do on the podcast as well. Definitely have a guest is like kind of rewind it back a little bit. And one of the questions we like to always kick it off with is like, who was like, cause the person that you came to be, like you didn't just, you weren't just a lone wolf and just grew up in a cave by yourself your whole life. Like who was one of those people that were some of the most influential to you as you were a kid? Uh, inside and outside of running? Or oh, outside, like, inside or outside. Yeah, yeah. And just in general. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, I thought you were reading off my bio that I was grown, I grew up in a cave. I was like, who told you that? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, obviously, I, I love basketball, and that's where I thought, you know, God would give me an extra four or five inches so I could try to ball, but, you know, I'm, I'm short and skinny, so I was like, I guess we're running. So uh, basketball has always been, like, a huge part of the culture, you know, ball is life. So, like, growing up, Kobe, Hakeem Olajuwon, just, like, you know, just that Western, that West Coast basketball is, like, blood, you know, and, you know, I grew up in Ventura, California, so uh you know we're huge lakers clippers warriors and all the above so uh being out in colorado i jumped the bandwagon as you can tell just because you know we got our boy Jokic and murray and just watching how basketball and a team sport and i think <clears throat> that's maybe going back to your earlier question about misconceptions is like sports in general just brings people together and i think you know a lot of people complain about NFL and NBA and blah, blah, blah. But then you see like the next generation that's watching and how much of a positive light it is. And we can solve so much with sport, you know what I'm saying? Like substitute war for the Olympics. You know what I'm saying? We got beef, let's get hit at the high jump. You know what I'm saying? Like get your fastest miler against my fastest miler. And that's how like war should be handled in the Olympic type fashion, you know, instead of, you know, taking lives. And that's the thing about sport. It teaches us more about humanity and how we can come together and be smarter and think and strategize and work to a common goal and uh, level up. And those are the things that sport. I just joined a men's basketball league recently. And that's what I'm like, yo, <laughs> basketball is hard, man. Like, I don't care what type of running shape I'm in. Like, it's, it's a lot of sprinting, bro. It's a lot of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely get tired. You keep sore too, using a lot of muscles you don't be using all the time. Yup, yup. But also too, like who was the who was the person that introduced you into into running, into track? Um, when you and when you first joined the team, what was like the first thing you noticed that you really liked? <laughs> all right, this is. I'll, I'll, I just want to make this story quick because uh, it's a, it's a good one, and I actually just my best friend Joe was playing soccer and he ran track and I was playing basketball and he's like yo man you should come out and run track it'll make you faster for basketball and there's a bunch of honeys out there and I was like all right bet, let's go yeah. I was like sophomore yeah, year bet, bet, bet. and then so I come out and I run track and 
you know, I'm probably like 90 pounds soaking wet and, you know, five foot five and trying to sprint with like a sprint tuxedo on, you know, and my coach was like, hey, you, you got to run the mile, man. And so I did the mile and then I ran my first mile in like 459 and they're like, oh, snap, like you actually might be able to do something. And so the coach that found me was Coach Coach Cruz, shout out to Cruz. He's still there at Ventura High School. And uh, he just really like counted on me about just trying to stay in track. And he thought I was too cool for school because I thought I was and I was playing basketball. And he's like, you couldn't last, you know, a 5K with my team. I was like, all right, bet. Show up to his practice, some Jordans on, some basketball shorts. And then I'm just out there running a 5K with his fastest varsity dudes. And he's like, you're either really crazy or really stupid, but you should join cross country. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was like, that was, it was history ever since. So shout out to Cruz. He was the coach at Ventura and he's still there. And uh, I went back actually when I was with Hoka and I like was like, hey, Cruz, remember your trouble student? I'm here, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you did a 5K with, with Jays on? Yes, sir. <laughs> Yo. Jordan Force, if you want to know, be more specific. But, you know, back then it was like 2005, 2004, maybe. Like there was no StockX or like, you know, the shoe market wasn't as crazy as it was this, like today. So it wasn't it wasn't that big a deal back then. I think I know a world record you could break, Brandon, bro. A fastest, fastest mile with some J's. I mean, fastest marathon with some J's on. Let's set it up. I'm down for the basketball mile. You know, I'll put J's on while I run in the basketball mile. Like, let's do it. Let's make it happen. I got another like two. Like, did you did you always have like this passion for shoes from from the get go? Whether it was with basketball, and did you ever think about running like uh, later down the line, like in college and stuff? Uh I mean, we all, I mean, it's like, it's like in our DNA kind of just be stunt with the shoes, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like, <clears throat> I think it was my frustration where the, the shoe culture was going, which turned me to running shoes specifically and like the functionality and the science and like everything that goes in behind it, the research and development and then how that translates over to other things as well, because, you know, you're working in a specialty run shop and looking at people's gait, you know, you're filming them while they're on the treadmill. You're recommending whether you get a stability or a neutral shoe. And then, you know, you're helping people out, stay active and motivated. And you're seeing how that kind of goes over into the medical side of things with people that have like, you know, diabetes and, you know, bunions and calluses and all that crazy stuff. And then you're just like, it's it's a whole nother rabbit hole of, of footwear that you can get lost down. And now, obviously, within the last couple of years, you've seen uh, what I like to call the arms race to super shoes and how that's been in a, in a huge impact, like on the, the road marathon and now on the track side of things. Yeah, it's definitely the biggest uh, subject from any from like all distance track heads always talking about the shoes and people complaining about them like i would have had a couple seconds like yep. your 218 probably would be a 216 and some don't tell shoes. me that don't tell me that i think that all the time <laughs> and just like, you know and I, I haven't i haven't ran in the last like seven months seriously just because of the transition of roles i've taken into product and just how i wanted to learn and focus position and so uh definitely stepping out is i'm looking at it you know i'm seeing all these older cats in the game and i'm like i'm still i'm still a spring chicken kind of you know i can still get jiggy with it so 
So I'm, what I'm saying is I'm announcing my unretirement on your show right here. Let's go. Hey, you heard it here first. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> first attempt at the Jordan Marathon. Jordan Marathon. Wearing Jordans. I'm but, um, God, I can't run Jordans. <laughs> yo, that's... <laughs> But uh, also, I want to. We want to also just hear about what the running scene was kind of like when you were at Ventura High School, and just like what was that at that time in the Southern Section? Like we all we always know Southern Section crazy, but what was that running scene kind of like for you? And especially, I want to know too when you're at Ventura College as well at the at the JC. Oh yeah. Um, well, I was really new to the sport, and I didn't really know a whole lot of people, so I was just super ignorant into like what i was doing i was like oh this is mount sack let's go oh this is you know this big invitational let's go and i didn't really have the same like thought or build up a traditional cross-country runner would at a good school because i honestly didn't know what we were doing like my coach was like you have to go run the mile i was like oh snap i gotta go run a mile he's like also try to make it under five minutes i'm like oh snap i don't even know what that means let's go so like yeah. I think that's why I've been able to have longevity in the game. Um, it's just because I never had that like pressure and mileage. I just kind of went out there and kind of just raced, not knowing what to expect. But in my time, in my, in my time, because I'm such an old timer, you know, we, I think I was like two years older than Jordan Hase. We had the the Marcado twins that would run in, and, like Corey Prim and Ted Zybolski. So like, there was a lot of dudes running under or around nine minutes for the two mile and you know like four flat for the mile which was pretty cool to see and so <clears throat> in like a year and a half of running i was able to run from like uh 450 to like 420 419 and then to get down to like i think it was like 930 in the mile but i still didn't even know what i was doing so obviously i wasn't trying to go to college afterwards <laughs> so uh, i was just like all right that was that was high school track you know and so i got a job not going expecting to go to college all my teammates were like yo i'm going to princeton i'm going to stanford i'm going to this other cross-country powerhouse school and i was yeah. like all right i'm gonna go work at fedex <laughs> and then so uh i was working graveyard shift at fedex right after high school and uh you know uh my my uh, JUCO coach Nancy Fredrickson, shout out to Nancy. She's a saint. She came to my house like 8 a.m. in the morning, knock on the door right after I got out of shift, and she was like, "Hey, uh, I enrolled you into 12 credit hours, and all I need you to do is show up to this race in Palmdale this weekend." And I was like, "Man, I haven't ran in like eight months, so uh, I guess let's go." And so I just showed up for a cross country race, not running. And uh, I was working graveyard shift from 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. at FedEx and the unloading. And then I would go ride my bike to the Ventura Community College and then hit mm -hmm. a cross-country practice from like 9 to 10 and then take my classes from like 11 to 12 and then 1 to 2 yeah. and then go try to sleep for the rest of the day and then go back to work, which was That's really crazy. hard because, you know, I lived on the beach, so there was not a lot of sleep happening. <laughs> That's that's crazy. That's bro, a straight up. The California crime. JUCO life is crazy, bro. I, I really yeah. think so. For for a lot of people, it's just be like, it could just be like, because especially other junior junior colleges and like across the states, like they have like dorms and stuff. Yeah. So like, like for the Californians, it's just, it's so much, so different. So many people that are just blue collar, like put your head down and just like, yeah, yeah it's wild. 
it taught me to grind. It taught me to grind because I don't think I really owned a car throughout my whole 20s. So I was always riding a bike or a scooter or a skateboard somewhere and then, you know, go to practice, run like six, five, six miles and then scooter, bike, skateboard back home. You know, it's, it's the beach life. So it wasn't like really a big deal. So, I mean, it was just like, I guess, cross training that I didn't even know I was getting in. <laughs> that young energy, bro. <laughs> so how did you end up like... I was reading through your profile. Pete Julian was the recruited you to Metropolitan State, uh, Metropolitan State University of Denver. How did how was that? True to me, but you know, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna say that on the pod. But... <laughs> Shout out to Pete. Um, it, it was funny because I didn't. Once again, I didn't know anything about the sport, and so once I was in JUCO, which I started my first semester with a zero point zero seven grade point average. And when I left, I had like a 3.6. And so I wasn't really getting looked at, you know? So I'm just like going through, looking for colleges at the early American online or late American online days, looking at schools that just would possibly, I can transfer into from the JUCO level. And uh, I knew Colorado was the spot to be. So I'm just like looking at CU, like, nope, they ain't gonna let me in there. Looking at CSU, nope, they ain't gonna let me in there. And so, you know, there's an incredible conference in Colorado called the RMAC. Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference Division Two, which was just as competitive as any of the D1 schools. So I was just looking at looking at schools around there. And then I have some family in Colorado, which, you know, I was able to bounce back and forth. My brother's like, hey, you know, Metro has like a program. And so uh, I, I just like randomly just sent him a, a request if I can like a questionnaire. And he's like, yo, are you, uh, you want to come out for a recruiting trip? I'm like, actually, I'm here visiting family right now. So the next day I just met him. And then uh, I, I actually met Sean Nesbitt. I'm skewing the story. He's the assistant coach. I've ne I never saw Pete Julian at this point, but then they had D2 Nationals out Mount Sac and I show up just to watch my boy, Anthony Luna in 800, which I never saw either. And I show up with like a puffy coat. I got a big old chain on. I, I go up to the starting line. I'm like, Hey, hey, Luna, good luck. Cause you know, he got second at nationals that year running like a 150 low. And then I see Pete Julian with him. I'm like, Hey, Pete Julian, I'm coming to Metro next year. And then Pete Julian like gives me this look, like grabs Anthony Luna. And he's like, come on, there's crazy guys around here. <laughs> so I never actually met Pete Julian. I was just talking to his assistant coach, Sean Nesbitt the whole time. And so I actually showed up to practice the following as a walk on no, con no, no um, scholarship worked a full-time job the whole time. And I just showed up to the Metro State, like I'm gonna show up and work. And I didn't even know who Pete Julian was. I didn't even know who Aunt Luna was. He just looked cool on the website. And I just showed up to this random university ready to run, like just work. And then looking back, now you see who people are in the industry and it's like, oh snap, like, you know, it's crazy how small the world is. And <laughs> especially this, this, this running world. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. Like the result of that, uh, that Jay, that Juco coach coming up and knocking on your knocking on your door and getting you to come out for a race. I feel like that. Did that give you like that confidence to be like, yo, I could just pull up like, I, I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was dead last. I was dead last, which, you know, I that, that set the tone for me being dead last, because if you don't know, I was dead last at the Olympic trials. Uh, last man to finish. We had the first Hoka across the line on the women's side, the last Hoka on the men's side. I like to brag. And uh <laughs> You know, so I, it became a it became a very common theme for me to finish last. So uh, I, I own it. But I'm I'm curious to know, like you you didn't you didn't 
you said after graduating high school, you didn't expect like to go to college and you weren't like really, and like, but like you were good. You said you were on like 418, 419, 420. Like you could have made, you could have easily like tried to like walk on somewhere, like, like go to Ventura College and make that jump. And then, but like, what was, what was like the shift to when you were all like, I'm really about running? Like, was it, was it at Ventura College or was it at uh, Metro or was it even afterwards where you continue doing it? Cause like you're 32, like still pushing, making 34, <laughs> coming back, yeah. coming back from running, oh, unretiring, yeah. you know, Black don't crack, like bro. Brett, come on, unretiring like Brett Favre. You to be fair, me? I just shaved for you guys. I mean, I had like four years of stubble. Everyone's going to be like, dang, what's wrong with Brandon? It's definitely because my face hasn't seen sunlight in about five years. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what was it that made you shift your mindset to be all like, man, I really like the running, the culture and everything. And like, I want to go deep into this, into the deep waters. Yeah, I mean, uh, long story short, I mean, I didn't have the guidance back then when I was in early high school community and family to be like we all have to go to college you know like I'm one of the first ones in my family to go to college so that wasn't even like talked about in the house and so it just found running found me and then it changed my whole entire life so when I saw my teammates talking about what they're doing you know and I'm one of the dopest ones on the team and they're all like oh I'm doing this and this and this afterwards I'm like what you doing you going to school again why and I'm like oh <laughs> that makes sense and so like it kind of just something that magically yeah. happened and I fell through, but when I took it seriously, like I had stints of it going on and off. Like high school, I took it seriously a little bit, then didn't care. Junior college, I took it seriously a little bit, then I backed off. And then I would say after college, really, you know, I was, I thought I was gonna do something big after college. And uh, I was the only one training in Denver at the time. You know, I was like just trying to win it, every little road race running against the Olympians and some of the dopest runners, just in little five Ks, you know, like super competitive out here. It's like any little bunny rabbit five K you can find, you're going against some big dudes and they're just doing it as like a workout. So like I, for a small stretch from like 2013 to 2015 or 16, I was on the road, just whooping it up, up in Colorado, you know? So uh, that was when, you know, I had some stuff going on with in life, you know, my, my pops passed away around that time and I was going through like some crazy breakup and I was like I'm just gonna focus on running you know what I'm saying and that's like mm -hmm. where running was like okay what else can I do with this and then I started working in the running store and then I loved it because I was around it all the time it's like I wasn't even working and then so I was like okay where else can I see myself coming from the running store and then these reps would come in all the time from like Nike and New Balance and Saucony and Asics and I'm like, yo, what's your job? You're doing that. That sounds dope. That's that's fresh. Let me, I want to do that too. You know what I'm saying? So like, I I knew what I had and where I was at being in Denver, being in the running, one of the biggest running stores in the country and being semi-dope. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like who, who can I, where can I take this talent to? What can I do next? And I always knew that I can get in with the brand. I just wanted to be some, a brand that I believed in. And that was why I like was just, laser gung-ho trying to get in with Hoka and uh I tell that to people all the time in the retail level because you know retail is not a desirable place to be uh, you know it's sometimes can be volatile it's sometimes just you know like a lot and so I always tell people you can be a brand rep or anything for anything like it could be nutrition hydration shoes apparel like if you just stick with it you know show that you're about it work your way up become knowledgeable in whatever you want to become 
like focus on like I've seen so many people within the industry especially I've worked with personally that now I'm in the industry with and I was like look see we're right here remember we're at the running store you know and working at the running store I did I was you know managing some of the dopest runners in the world who are you know running running full-time working part-time at the store so like we're all just sitting there like all right what's our next move we're, we're not getting any younger we need to make a play you know what I'm saying so like that's kind of how I even forgot what the question was I'm sorry <laughs> no that was good though that was good no that was good and that and like what you said was that was exactly my set when I was work my mindset when I was working in a running store like I was looking at like I got to the point where I you know I went from like a snail space running shop to like running warehouse which is more online doing like customer service and my transition was like oh I was paying attention to the people that would come in I'd be like yo what are what do you do what do you do oh what does that mean what does that mean and I feel like a lot of people on that retail level and i also say like another reason why i wanted to do this podcast was like a lot of like athletes in particular too like we don't realize like these opportunities that you know are kind of like available for us like in in the running world that goes beyond like coaching or like managing a job and then when you kind of get to that level too like well even in the you, you already see it running growing up like you're pretty much the only if you're a distance runner, but you realize that it is kind of like that, you know, at the industry level as well. So like, I really want, that's another thing I want to like echo and like show people like, hey, like if you really stick at this and work it the right way, you can find yourself in, you know, a passion that you love and something that can like take care of your, take care of your bills. Like, you know what I mean? So I definitely relate to you, relate to you in that way. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about running. It's a hustle, you know. If it was a real sport, would would have been in the league, you know. Like you see so many people's hustles from like Sarah Vaughn, uh, super mom, realtor, world class runner, and you're just like, man, like I have no excuse, you know what I'm saying? Like I I mm-hmm. gotta find a time to grind, and that's the cool thing about running because it's 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 hard to make it. So like you gotta think of a hustle and a and an out game. And you can't run forever and using your experience. And that's like what you would see with some runners where, you know, they're just like completely consumed in it. So always got to have a side hustle. Yeah, man, man. I appreciate this conversation and definitely you opening up to us and everything. I really do appreciate that. But as we start closing out in the podcast, we have a few other questions that the thing gone and if any Aaron has anything else that I did have one other question though too though like go ahead I was gonna ask you too like um was there any like any challenges in particular that you found when trying to like make that transition from like the retail into the brand level level world that was really really tough and you're trying to get me in trouble over here. No. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, because I was working in retail and then I had to make the transition into corporate world. And that's like a whole other world that what like school and being around the right type of people can teach you is like, you know, it's like that uh that Chappelle show when keeping it real goes wrong, you know, you don't want to be that dude where you're saying the wrong things or representing yourself in the wrong light. And that's like one of the biggest life lessons you have to learn, especially if you want to level up or do anything big, you know, and coming from where I came from in life, like, you know, you had to 
you had to know when to switch it up and where you can be yourself and where you can uh, had to be more, you know, professional. And uh, that's one thing in any corporate setting will kind of teach you is, <clears throat> you know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta get with it or get lost. And that's not saying that's what happened to me or like, you know, it's just one thing that you have to keep in consideration. Anything you do, the way you represent yourself on social media, the way you represent yourself on any type of light, you know, you like gotta look back like, hey, like, you know, is that cool? Is that gonna fly with the future generation? And um, that's like one thing that, you know, coming from the rough background I did, I was just like, I've only, I can only be positive. I wanna show the best things of coming up. You know, everyone has a, a backstory, everyone comes from, has something there like a story and you know you can't let that define you you have to always like you know just keep it pushing stay positive and so now i'm just like learning how to corporate gangbang you know what i'm saying <laughs> be polite but be concise <laughs> yeah i feel it read the read the room if you can as yeah. best as possible it's corporate gangbanging <laughs> one-on-one <laughs> Well, I wanted to know too, though. Like, wait, what's your relationship with music? You just dropped the EP. Wait, what's, oh, what's going on? Oh my goodness! Wait, hold on, shout it out. Shout it out on Apple Music, all platforms. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that, fam. Good looking out, you know. Uh, shameless plug, and uh, it, Melvin Brando, funk rap EP, all platforms right now. You know, Dreaming. this is my first time doing anything like this, so. Uh, I appreciate y'all and uh that's just one of those passions one of those side things that i was able to kind of do during the pandemic i was like yo man like i think i could i think i could i could make some heat bro and you know so during the pandemic i kind of start building up a little studio and just start making collaborating with some cool people and some artists that keeps me inspired and motivated and uh it's been dope it's been something to keep my mind off of running consistently and uh it's been a blessing and you know hopefully i can share that blessing of funk because that's where it comes from the funk depository you know what i mean so <laughs> funk rap yes sir you, we we born with that for sure another yeah, another yeah. question i want to ask you about like colorado and denver being the mecca like who are some of like i feel like you're like your people's favorites runners runner like i feel like so many people like really know who you baby. are underground <laughs> yeah like who are some of the who are the some of the people that you just made like super cool relationships with or became really oh, good bro. friends with that you didn't expect oh, man. that's funny because i i came here with notes prepared right straight shout out lists for all the homies you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> hey. can't be on too black without shouting out the homies you know what i'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Gonna, it's a big list so uh, let me give my you got you guys got a second extra i'm gonna, I'm gonna shout out you got some homies. time yeah, we all right, all right, all right. Got a shout out to my boy Fernando, Big Pep, Nathan Martin, you know, Joe Gray, Stephen Pfeiffer, Kenya Newman, Mo with the Gimpy Leg. I always got to add that name when I'm naming people off. <laughs> Tess with the Race, Indy and Tommy at Run Duo, Shawana White, my homie Edward Chiquita Banana Way, Big Swank, Raj Paul Panu, Ian Stanky Leg Butler, oh, and <laughs> Kia down in Flagstaff. And you guys, man, and you guys for having me and be able to act a fool. You know, it's Friday and uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, Friday. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> nah, you guys uh, definitely have been some some something great to look at and keep me inspired and motivated to do what I do, you know, because me and Aaron get to kick it sometimes with work and 
we just bounce ideas off each other and just gas each other up. And you guys are doing a great job and I, I love to see what you're doing. So keep it up, baby. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. That means a lot. That means a lot. Definitely coming from people that in the industry and doing their thing for sure, for sure. And also we want to ask this in Black History Month throughout the thing. We're going to make a post about it too. Everyone can see your three favorite black sitcoms <laughs> where the what's the what's, what's that looking like we gotta we gotta know i'm old school bro i don't i don't watch stuff but basketball and uh and track and field obviously but i i kick it old school so you know i will go out like boondocks <laughs> um okay. maybe martin some reruns of martin and you, you know you can find these on amazon and uh maybe some Chappelle. you can never go wrong with Chappelle, man it's just like comedy you know like i like to laugh a lot obviously so anything that makes me laugh and can talk about the culture i'm all about it I mean, that's a good list that's solid that's no, all yeah, that's would definitely you expect solid. anything would you expect anything less come on <laughs> but then also you Loki just did a shout out list of people that we could possibly have on but who should we have next on the podcast we always like to ask that question who would be a great guest <laughs> to come on I, you know, I, I had to think about this one for a while, you know, uh, my boy Joe Gray is the man, man, you know, like he's another Hoka athlete, shout out, big up, big up to Joe, you know, he's like, you want to talk about role models, man, like, that guy is just all around goat. grade A, you know what I'm saying, so get my boy Joe Gray on here, also in Colorado, Colorado Springs, holding it down on the mountains, he's the boy. Yeah, Joe really the goat, we gotta, we, we do need to make that happen. That's the home. Man don't know how to lose. You don't know how to lose. That's what it seemed like. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> then lastly, before we get you out of here, we always like to love we love to ask this question, even though it's deep at the end. But what mark do you want to leave on the sport when it's all said and done? Oof. The mark I would like to leave. <clears throat> I didn't have uh, <laughs> I would say when I was younger, I definitely didn't know about running and what it can do for my life. And by finding it by chance, it definitely made a huge impact. So if I could make running more mainstream and more well-known, then, you know, like that's kind of, I know I'm not gonna be the fastest dude out there. I know I'm not gonna qualify for Olympic team, but if I can spread this to the next generation and just the, the happiness and the completeness it gives to me, you know, like if I can just spread that, like how I'm doing with y'all right here, you know, that's the impact that I want to leave is just making it more known. And like, you know, so many people come to me, first time runners. And that's why I like, I love to deal with the most is just like, not the elite runner trying to qualify for Boston or for the trials. Like I'm trying to lose 40, 60, 20 pounds, you know, like that's the real stuff yeah. to me. And that's like what I've always kind of gravitated working, like my whole family, always joke has the diabetes they earned, you know? So like just that health and aspect. And I joke about it because it's a serious thing that we never talk about, you know what I'm saying? So like anyone that just says, Hey man, I see you out there. Like I got this little mile in today. I got this little two mile in. I'm like, bet, keep it going. And now those same people are motivating me to want to start running again. You know what I'm saying? People that I saw and helped coach run 10 miles a week or 15 miles a week. And now they're up to like 30, 40 lost, this amount of weight and then like i'm seeing them on the instagram like yo that's that's big that's like that's just like returned love right there so you know um that's that's what i the impact i would like to leave on the sport other than funk you know just have fun with it stay funky you know what i'm saying like 
I feel it. Music, music, and running are like they go together. <laughs> hey, no, I, I got a question though. for y'all. Can I get a question for y'all? Who's your right, yeah, hey, yeah, top yeah. three? Top three rappers right now. Who you listening to? Who's in your tape deck? Three listening rappers to. right now. Right now. Let me, let me, let me, let me. It doesn't even have to be rap. Just two. Who's yeah? My favorite rappers. I'm listening to. I would say my favorite rapper right now is probably Nas. Like I've been on that new one goes. That new one goes. Yeah, and just all of the King's Disease, like the resurgence of him. I've loved. I've loved that over yep. the past like couple Can't of years. Yep. Yeah. Um. I listened to. I I just started listening to Cordae's album, and I listened to um Nle Chopper's album. Yeah, Cordae's album was good. Both of those are good. But I would also say Nipsey has been like my favorite, has been like my favorite rapper over the past, like, you know, four, three, four years. Like, I really, I really, you I started. That marathon continues right here, baby, on the chest. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I started listening to, uh, I listened to Victory Lap was really the first album I got into of him that I liked. And then he died right after that. And then that's when I was like, wait, what? And then I just started going in and then. Honestly, low key, he low key. That dude, that dude really inspired me to like try and try and do this and all that stuff, bro. So yeah, Nipsey's definitely up there for me. Nice, Josh. For for me, I would have to say right now, just like artists that definitely that yeah, if I put on right now, like I could vibe no matter what. Andy Minio, that's someone that I've been on for like good for like for the longest. I feel like Andy Minio has been like my favorite rapper. Chance used to be, but. I still like Chance. I still like Chance. I think you've got to drop something. Ah, we don't know. We're going to talk about that. Andy Minio, though, for sure. And then right behind Baby Keem, like that. The melodic blue. I don't know. No he really did something though? different with that. Yeah. He did something Kendrick different. Dang. Kendrick. Oh, Kendrick need to drop something. Well, I love Kendrick, but keep going, Josh. And then my last one, this will maybe surprise me, but Willow Smith, bro. Willow Smith's last album and what she's been doing has been, it's been fired. It's been fire. I don't know. I gotta look into that. song on the side. That's that one. Not that. That's not on her newest album though. But like transparent soul and like naive everything. What's it called? I I can feel everything right now. That that like album. I don't know. Like sort of like alternative like rock and like sort of like hip hop into it. I don't know. It's just I don't know. I think it's just because he's black. She do it different. Like she do a different song. Like no real talk though. She do it different. So it sounds good. Okay. So that's the sound. Uh, I would say, obviously, for me, Melvin Brando's number one. I'm, I'm rocking hey. my own. I got rocking with myself all day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, Larry June has, you know, been kicking it for me for about a year or two now. I'm like, woof. Larry June, shout out to Bay. Um, I don't know if you guys like Vince Staples. Or uh, I like the Baby King, too. The Baby King goes pretty hard, but... Definitely, uh, you gotta check out the the Uncle Larry. But yeah, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, man. If y'all listen this far, like Aaron always said, y'all real homie day one for sure. Yeah. Don't forget to rate the pod. He's, te- he's teaching me how to uh, roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everybody be skating nowadays. It seems like on Instagram and Twitter. But hey, let's 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 end this. Let's end this. Let's end this. Hey, see y'all next week on Two Black Redders. Yes, sir. Oh. <laughs>